Hey everyone, and welcome back to another episode of the MetaPortal podcast, hosted by myself, Dark Forest Capital, and as always, I'm joined by my good friend, AG. Our guest this week is Finn Hansen. He's a co-founder at MetaMundo, and MetaMundo is building a marketplace for interoperable 3D assets. Quick disclaimer before we jump in, we are invested in MetaMundo as angels. Um, you can read a bit more about the investment thesis behind that on our Substack if you wish. Uh, we did write a little article about it. But the main point for today is really to get into the detail around 3D assets, um, why they're important, what's interoperability, why that's important, and just how MetaMundo are kind of setting up both their marketplace and their community to try and tackle these challenges head on. So Finn, thanks for joining us today. How are you doing? Doing good, thanks. Thanks for having me on, guys. Yeah, no worries. So we'll get started with the easy stuff, as we normally do. Um, Can you tell us, first of all, a bit about your background and, and how you got into crypto? Yeah, sure. Happy to. Um, so at uni, I studied uh, finance, uh, which feels like a very long time ago now. Um, actually quickly pivoted my career into uh, startups, uh, tech, uh, and entrepreneurship, uh, probably about 10 years ago. And since then have been uh, mostly focused on building B2C uh, software products. Um, a lot of focus on two-sided marketplaces, Um yeah, so that, I think that's kind of like the high-level summary of the last 10 years for me. Happy to dive into that um, in more detail, of course. In terms of crypto, um, I think the first thing I heard about Bitcoin was around 2014. I had a couple of friends who were you know, big proponents and believers in it. Um, I, to be honest with you, when I first heard about it, I thought, um, yeah, it was a bit of a Ponzi scheme. I didn't really understand it either, to be honest. Um, but you know, after constantly hearing about it from, from, you know, from my buddies, I finally gave it a chance and, you know, read the white paper, which I, I didn't grasp on, on first read. I think I re- reread it a few times and then just started doing some research about some, you know, what is blockchain, you know, uh, what, what are its potential use cases? Um, and then started to realize that actually, you know, there's huge potential here and was quite excited about, you know, the opportunity and the potential for it to disrupt our financial systems, which are super archaic and having studied finance and, and worked in finance, just realizing that you know, it's just ripe for disruption. Um, so I think I bought my first Bitcoin eventually back in 2017 and my first Ethereum as well um, through Coinbase. And uh, yeah, I picked up a ton of shit coins as well, uh, which all eventually went to, to zero in 2018. So that was kind of uh, a rude awakening. Um, but a lot of my initial interest was driven by speculation and, uh, and the opportunity, I think. Uh, to be fair, just to make money. Um, but then after reading dozens of white papers, doing, you know, some some research on a lot of these projects that I was uh, investing in during the, the ICO craze, and then starting to wrap my head around some of the technology and the potential use cases, I, you know, really became convinced that, you know, this was the future. Um, so that's kind of my beginnings into, into crypto. And then also before starting Metamondo, um, I spent uh, five years as a product lead at booking.com where I was responsible for uh, driving growth of their new product verticals. So they're obviously uh, the number one marketplace for accommodation, but they've also recently launched a whole bunch of other verticals like flights, rental cars, airport taxi and attractions. So I did a lot of stuff there with incentives, product bundling, machine learning to target offers, driving customers value and kind of optimizing ROI. Um, Booking was very data-driven. So that was, uh, so I did a lot of A-B tests. Um, so I have a pretty solid understanding of, you know, what it takes to build 
uh, an engaging and uh, and valuable product. And then prior to that, I also had a few Web two startups, uh, but this is my first Web three venture, and it's been it's been super exciting. Yeah. Cool. Well, it's, it's great to have you in the space. I think that's a pretty strong and varied background that you've got there, and um, definitely a, a common story that we hear is people coming over from having either studied or uh, actually worked in finance and seeing how that works and seeing how crypto works and deciding that actually there is a much better way of, of doing certain things. Um, I'm keen to know, like, obviously we've, we've met, uh, well, I've met Mark, um, keen to know, like, how did the team come together and the idea of Metamundo, like, who did it come from and, and what did it, you know, where did it come from, basically? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so Mark and I, we met, I think it was around eight years ago now. Uh, at the time, I was the COO at Rockstart Accelerator, which is an early stage uh, startup accelerator um, uh, company. And uh, Mark, uh, at the time, he had a startup called Crowdy House, which was um, a uh, online marketplace for independent uh, furniture designers. Um, and so we invested in Crowdy House at the time, and that's how, how I got to know Mark, and we became friends ever since. Um, Bernardo, who was our tech lead for our marketplace, uh, Mark had worked with him before on a side project. Actually, it was an ICO launch pad uh, that they worked on in 2018. Uh, the timing was uh, not great, so it didn't go very far, but they had a great time working together. Um, so Mark already knew Bernardo. Um, during my time at Booking, I met you know, a ton of amazing people. Um, and fortunately, a couple of them are now working with us. So Toby, our creative director, I worked with him on a couple of side projects and um, he actually just left Adidas to join us, which is super exciting. Uh, Natesh, one of our front-end devs, was also on my team at Booking. Um, Antonio, our camp uh, community manager, he is a friend who I made through Toby. Um, so also kind of within our, our network. And then uh, Nick, of course, who I've known also for a very long time. He used to be in the co-working space that we had when I was back at Rockstart um, in 2014. So um, he, he's, he's also a friend in our network. So yeah, we, a lot of the team we've worked with in the past, um, pretty diverse group. Uh, in terms of how we came up with the idea, I think it was in Q2, probably around May last year. Um, I was down in Portugal visiting Mark. He's got a, he's got a nice house that he's kind of uh, rebuilt and um, yeah, kind of actually designed himself down in Portugal. And uh, my girlfriend and I, we went down to visit him and his partner. And um, Mark has an interesting background in architecture and, and interior design and furniture and, and whatnot. And um, at that stage, I was, you know, very fascinated about NFTs. Um, also considering, you know, leaving booking at that stage to start up something in, in the crypto space, but I wasn't sure exactly what I wanted to, you know, I had a few ideas, but I wasn't sure exactly, you know, which one I wanted to kind of lean into. And um, and the metaverse was very fascinating for me as well, something that uh, I started to do a bit of research on. And so as I normally do with good friends, I was bouncing the ball with Mark around, you know, you know, some ideas that we had and we, we you know, we, we started, you know, getting inspired and doing some research, you know, checking out Decentraland and crypto voxels and, you know, understanding the landscape of, you know, where could you buy NFTs uh, to use in these environments? And, you know, how could you um, build on, on this land? Because one of the first observations we had, obviously, was that it was, it was a barren, you know, there was, there was not much uh, to do there. Uh, a lot of the land was empty. Um, and it was, yeah, it wasn't really that engaging. 
Um, and so, and so, yeah, we, we also realized that, Hey, there's no way that you can actually go and really buy, um, assets that can be used, um, uh, in these metaverses, let alone across multiple metaverses. So that kind of kickstarted the, the whole insight that, Hey, maybe we should, um, uh, maybe we should start exploring this opportunity some more. So we started speaking with some architects. Mark already has, you know, a really good background in architecture. And, you know, we realized that actually there could be a good opportunity to help onboard uh, not only 3D designers and creators, but also architects as well into the space um, to help enable them to basically build and shape, you know, the metaverse, uh, or essentially deliver this content layer that's, that's actually missing today to drive a lot of, you know, engagement and give people a reason to kind of come and have fun and explore and personalize these worlds. So that's kind of like how it came about. It was kind of an organic kind of a bouncing the ball, I guess, if you will, between two friends. Um, uh, yeah, last year. Pretty cool that it came from actually like getting stuck in and, you know, wandering around in these worlds, trying them out and, and yeah, coming up with it that way, like rather than just purely theoretical you actually got your your hands dirty and figured things out from like from from scratch basically which is great um you you kind of covered there as well in essence like what metamundo is doing so what i'm going to do is hand over to ag now because i know that he's very keen to ask you about um 3d assets and why they're so important yeah thanks thanks our forest um and uh finn welcome so wanted to talk to you a little bit about like 3D assets, right, at a at a high level, and, and sort of set a stage a little bit for for the marketplace and 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 what you guys are doing. Um, can you can you maybe like just walk us through why 3D assets are important and where the demand is sort of coming from? Right, is it coming from uh, movies, games, um, and and kind of how you see that demand side of equation? evolving over time right because i think a lot of what um what we're realizing now is that there's a lot of demand there's not enough supply for 3d assets and that's something that you guys sort of plan on helping with yeah absolutely absolutely so i think if you if you look at you know nfts uh or the categories of nfts that are popular and that are traded today they are predominantly you know jpegs um uh, for art and, and collectibles and whatnot. Um, we believe that, you know, uh, gaming is going to be huge. And uh, gaming is obviously built on, on 3D assets. Um, so we see this as a, as, as a huge uh, use case, one that's just going to continue to grow. Um, we see uh, virtual uh, or VR experiences, um, whether it's uh, you know, platforms that are emerging for you to be able to collaborate with your colleagues, um, hybrid work experiences. And we're actually partnering with a few exciting companies on that front too, um, which I think are emerging and are going to become more and more exciting. Of course, Microsoft have their platform that they're working on. Um, so I think some of the key use cases today that are driving uh, the need for, for 3D assets are certainly around gaming, um uh and you know virtual environment meeting spaces and i think yeah you can kind of classify let's say some of the metaverses across some of those i think sandbox is a bit more gamified whereas decentraland is, is maybe a bit more of like a, a meeting environment you could argue although you know there are some bounties and you know games that you can engage with in those environments but i think 
um, ultimately what you see in these metaverses is that a lot of people are actually sitting on land and they're not doing much with it. Um, and so we see that as the next natural progression of building out the metaverse. You know, you have your land and then you want to start developing your land. So then you're going to need to use 3D assets to, you know, populate it with, I don't know, fun things to do, which could be, you know, showing off your NFT art gallery, for example, or your art collection, I should say, in an in a NFT art gallery, and inviting your friends into that environment and, or, you know, hosting uh, a concert with you know, a friend of yours that might be a DJ or, you know, going to see a show from a musician. So creating these structures and these environments that enable these, um, you know, fun experiences that you can share with others, but also the gamification and uh, fun that you can have in these environments, which I think we're going to see more and more of um, this year and, and in the coming years. Yeah, right. Um, can you, if we think about um, virtual reality, augmented reality, right, the mixed reality concept, um, is is that is that crucial for sort of um, I guess for, for your success in a way, or, or is it something that you think will, will supercharge the demand? How, how do you, yeah. How do you look at virtual reality in, in the context of your business? Yeah. Good question. I think if you look at the number of users that are using headsets versus that are using the browser today, it's, um, it's still very, very small, but I do see that, that, like to use, uh, you know, your, you know, your description, I think it's really going to supercharge um, onboarding people into these virtual worlds because it's going to enable and facilitate much more immersive um, engaging experiences, uh, which, you know, can't be rendered or delivered through a, you know, a classic screen or, an, or on your mobile, for example. Um, so I think that VR definitely has a role to play. Um, and you now you see the 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 average price point of a headset is pretty affordable. I think you know the, the cheapest Oculus Quest today is like about three hundred bucks, um, which you know obviously helps with mainstream adoption. Um, and so I think that's definitely going to help. I think um, our success of our business is definitely not predicated on the adoption of VR, but it's it's definitely I would say. Uh, a trend that's going to add to our tailwinds um, uh, for sure. Because I think, um, you know, when you think about AR, um, uh, it's, it's also quite accessible. A lot of people today are using their mobile devices for, you know, being online, uh, interacting with others, consuming content. So, and you, and you already see, you know, some fun applications that are popping up uh, that are leveraging AR and even e-commerce um, companies starting to experiment with, you know, AR type experiences for showcasing products for sale. Um, so they're becoming more commonplace and, you know, everyone has a device that can support AR today. And for example, there's a lot of frameworks like Google Model Viewer um, that we've been exploring that do a pretty good job at, at rendering these um, assets and objects um, in AR. So I think AR is, is also something that kind of um, is quite accessible and uh, will become more and more commonplace in the mainstream, which will, you know, also be, I think, um, valuable for us because it will bring people into the uh, mindset of, hey, this 3D object's really, really cool. Um, you know, how do I go about, you know, 
potentially collecting these or you know using these in, in different environments um so i think it's only a good thing for for our business but i don't think it's it's uh it's contingent um on the adoption uh, for for success of of metamundo if that makes sense i want to move on to like there's a couple of things that metamundo is doing one is the, the marketplace and the other is the way that you're looking at interoperability. So I want to look at the marketplace first and ask you a few questions on that before we move on to the like the clever things that you're doing with the NFTs themselves. And I wanted to ask Finn, are you looking at um, you know open seas and rareables and super rares of the world to see like what mistakes they're making, what they're doing well, and are you considering like how does Metamundo fit in with all of the other um, marketplaces that are out there already? Yeah, good question. We we actually got this question a lot when we were uh, pitching investors. Um, it's it's a common question. I think Metamundo is carving out a unique unique position um, in the space because we're you know focusing exclusively on three D assets, and not only three D but also three D assets that are ready for use across the metaverse. So you see, uh, you know, some of the marketplaces today that obviously support three D assets, but they're not um, very supportive. Uh, of the format itself. And what I mean by that is that when you view the asset, it's not incredibly immersive. Um, a lot of the dimensions and metadata are not uh, organized in a way that makes it easily searchable, for example. Um, and so, you know, we're, we're differentiating ourselves first and foremost by making sure that every asset that you buy from us is actually ready for use across the metaverse. And that's a promise that no other marketplaces are making today. Um, we're definitely taking a lot of uh, pages out of uh, the books of the incumbents like OpenSea, of course, and OpenSea is obviously dominating, you know, NFT market in terms of the market share. When you look at the percentage of transactions they're, they're capturing, for example, um, uh, but we see that as an opportunity for us to start carving out, um, you know, some of that, some of that market share from them. Um, I think, uh, in addition to that, we're also looking at what. Um, uh, super rare has done uh, they're they're one that i think is, is super interesting in the sense that they have uh, recently done a token which isn't you know enabling their community to have participation in uh, curation and governance um, and the way that they actually distributed their token was was really interesting in the sense that they uh, rewarded their most engaged creators and uh, collectors which i think if we well, we are when we eventually do do a token. I think we'd probably, you know, take some lessons uh, from from that and do a case study uh, on Super Rare. Um, I think one thing that we need to be careful of is, and it's a mechanism that that works. But uh, what we've seen, for example, with the Rare token, and um, uh, with looks more recently, is that uh, these liquidity mining uh, incentives can be really, really good for bringing people to the platform, but then you get a lot of wash trading. And it's hard to really understand whether that is, you know, going to translate into sustainable engagement um, and, and user base. So uh, I think while, you know, while these mechanisms are really interesting for, for driving uh, visitors, yeah, I think jury's still kind of out on whether that delivers sustainable value. And we're really fortunate actually to be working with Eric Arsenal, who's, um, uh, the governance lead at the Rarible DAO and, and actually Alexander, one of the co-founders is one of our investors. So we're going to definitely take 
a lot of lessons from from those guys and already have actually chatting with them uh when we when we decide to you know uh think about how we can um you know drive adoption but also engage our community in the right ways okay so you've covered there the curation and you said um that anybody who buys from you they're going to have something that's ready to be used across the metaverse can you tell us a bit about um, the creators that you're working with and the virtual worlds that you've you know been in contact with so that this is all ready to go uh, when you launch yeah of course um so well, actually, on the creator side, we can't say too much yet, unfortunately. Um, but we are having some really, really exciting conversations with with creators. And actually, last night we spoke with an uh, an architect uh, from the US who actually took us through a very, very exciting project that he's working on that he wants to drop with us. So, yeah, I'm sorry I can't uh, share any names right now. But in the coming weeks, we will definitely uh, share more on that front. On the virtual world side. Um, we're definitely focused on working with um, uh, Decentraland, of course, Somnium Space, CryptoVoxels, Spatial. Um, so we've spoken with uh, a lot of the, the, the people at, at, these, uh, at these organizations. And then we, of course, are speaking with Sandbox as well, uh, although they're, they're, um, you know, they're still in alpha mode, as well as um, Wilder World and Nifty Island. Actually, both of the founders are on our cap table. So um, we're, we're having some pretty good conversations with them. So those are the... Um, virtual environments that that we're we're prioritizing at the moment um and stay tuned for for more on the creative front cool sounds like uh, yeah ready to hit the virtual ground running when you launch with all the different um partners that you've got there i'm i'm interested in um the curation as well like how so you, you mentioned super rare the way they distributed their token the way that the community can get involved how how far into the future have you thought with that? Like, can you can you share with us the way that you think about, you know, decentralizing um, curation and maybe other aspects of of what Metamundo is building into the future? Like, is, is it still too early for you to think about that? Yeah, I mean, uh, to be honest with you, we've started to to think about this more recently. Um, it's not fully fleshed out, so I can't share too many details. I think Q two we will start doing deep dives on this working with our advisors, um, working with our investors who have a lot of experience on you know, the best way to do this. And of course, more importantly, speaking with our community about how they wanna be involved as well. Um, one of the clear paths that we can see is obviously, you know, bringing our community in to um, be a part of uh, deciding how it evolves, um, how we spend a uh, treasury, for example, um, you know, uh, being able to submit uh, improvements for the platform, uh, being able to have a say on, you know, who is able to uh, sell on the platform through creation again. So I think it's going to be really focused around governance, giving the community the power to be able to um, shape and mold uh, the features and the functionality that supports the creators um and 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 the collectors too so i think it's, it's going to be really uh, governance focused yeah. cool yeah that makes sense and i think there's a lot by this stage there's a lot of um, projects and examples that you can look to i guess to to kind of inform that and uh, like you were saying about the marketplaces really learn uh, what works and what doesn't at, at this stage i guess yeah exactly i mean we're, we're not we're not really looking to build uh, a protocol i mean there are a lot of 
you know, really solid protocols out there um, for, for minting and, you know, for with order books and Rary protocol, for example, is, is, is something that we've, uh, that we're, you know, considering potentially adopting in the future. Um, uh, Manifold is also very interesting as well. So, you know, when we look at opportunities to decentralize, it's really, it needs to be community focused and where, you know, our goal is to empower creators, um, you know, to, basically shape the way that the metaverse looks and feels and also to give them more ownership over their IP uh, and their creations too. And we want to do this in a very um, collector-centric way. So, you know, speaking with them, understanding, you know, their needs and bringing them into, you know, how the, the, the platform evolves is, is really crucial, probably less so on the, on the tech side, I would say. So I think this leads us quite nicely into the Meta Portal drop, which is obviously a great name for a for an NFT drop uh, that you're currently teasing on your website. Um, can you tell us a bit about the Meta Portals, uh, what they're going to unlock, what their purpose is, uh, with like alongside what you're doing? Yeah, sure, of course. Um, yeah, so we've been working on a, a Genesis NFT drop to kind of commemorate the the launch of our platform, which we'll be launching in, in March. Um, and it's basically uh, an opportunity for us to, you know, reward our early community members uh, who have been supporting us and also to create um, the first interoperable 3D asset portal that can actually function um, as a gateway to unique experiences around the metaverse. So one of our, you know, our vision for Metamundo is really fundamentally about building an open metaverse, you know, where collectors and creators can build and use these digital assets across any virtual environment. And so we really want to foster connections between uh, hosts and their users. And so the meta portal is kind of the first uh, step, of course, prior to, to launching the platform itself, where we can, um, we can begin to do that. And it's, it's going to offer holders um, and collectors the opportunity to um, basically link into environments where they can preview upcoming drops and assets that will be dropping on on metamundo um, it will you know enable them to get access to land where they can host events for example um, there will be airdrops uh, from our, our creator community as well as from ourselves um, uh, a bunch of different fun things that we'll be announcing i don't want to go into too much detail but again uh we'll be announcing all, all the great benefits and uh, the vision for that on on uh on the discord so check it out and stay tuned these um the idea of these like conjures up uh i think it's from a book called hyperion um it's one, one of my favorite books i'm pretty sure that's where it appears there's these doorways in this universe where you can like have them installed in your house and one part of your house might be on one world and another part is on another world. And I just love the idea of like maybe in the future, these things are, you know, you're going to be able to sort of teleport your way around the metaverse quite freely uh, based on these meta portals. So I, yeah, I, I think it's a really cool idea. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's also part of the vision uh, for the meta portals is that, you know, once uh, these holders, they start installing them on their land, we want to, you know, create a connection uh, also between these, these separate metaverses, right? Um, so you could have a portal in crypto voxels that connects you to a portal in Decentraland or into a portal in, in the Sandbox or Somnium Space, et cetera, et cetera. So, yeah, we really see this as um, a gateway to uh, connections um, between people and between worlds. So, yeah, I would love to... Uh, to actually check that book out. It sounds interesting. 
And um, how do you how do you see, I guess, the likes of Facebook and virtual worlds that they are creating, fitting in with with sort of the things that you are building, right? Uh, do do you envision potential for someone to teleport from, you know, decentraland into something that's you know on on Facebook's platform? Um, and and yeah, do you see like, do you think that's possible? Is that something that you yeah. are considering? How, how do you think about that? Yeah, uh, it's a good question. Um, I think. You know, ultimately, our vision is to uh, empower our creators to uh, build and develop 3D assets that can be used anywhere and in, in as many virtual environments as possible. And so why would we, why would we not want to work with, you know, Meta um, or any of the other big tech giants like Microsoft, for example, in their, in their metaverses? Um, of course, there's things on their side that they need to do with their infrastructure to enable um, interoperability and, you know, uh, the transfer of assets and, you know, enable their users to actually um, use these external assets and bring them into these environments. So, um, but absolutely, we, we definitely want to kind of explore that. Of course, we also want to speak with our community on how they feel about these things too, because, you know, we, we have heard on on uh you know on twitter and from our community as well that you know there are some people a little bit uh reluctant to, to trust um what facebook or meta is, is, is building um but they've been making some interesting announcements recently where they're going uh, i think instagram and, and facebook just announced that they're launching nft marketplaces or support for nfts so i'm kind of curious to see how that that evolves and eventuates but um again like we want these assets to be usable um, in as many places as possible. And we feel like the metaverse is not going to be one predominant environment. It's going to be a constellation of different virtual worlds. So let's try and work with as many of them as possible and you know, give more value to the creators and collectors who want to use these assets um, across them. Yeah, I think uh, Zuckerberg obviously has been, you know, been trying to talk about interoperability, open platforms, uh, all of these things that uh, Facebook is not and, and hasn't been for, for quite a while, but we'll see where that goes. Um, from like the perspective of, let's say, Facebook, and, and I'm struggling to call it meta. I think they don't, they don't deserve, <laughs> deserve that name. Uh, yeah. But uh, so from the perspective of them enabling something like, uh, you know, a, a meta portal, what does that necessarily mean? Does it mean that they have to sort of accept um, NFTs that, that run on public blockchains? Or is there something else that they can do without sort of going all the way to uh, accepting public, uh, public infrastructure like Ethereum? Yeah, yeah, there, there's, there's a spectrum to it, right? It's, it's interesting. I think if you, if you think about the meta portal today um and there's still some stuff that we need to technically um figure out but today you can web link into uh, obviously different environments um so i mean in terms of the experience and connecting these worlds if if it only requires a web link then you know as long as they support that then that that should be uh enough <laughs> 
of course, if there is a, uh, a Facebook login wall in order to enter into their environments, that's kind of, yeah, that's, I think, going to put off a lot of people and really um, uh, stop, uh, you know, people wanting to kind of engage and uh, use these environments. I know personally, I wouldn't want to. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, I think in terms of like being able to use these assets and install them in these environments, um, it, you know, they you can actually download these 3D files. Um, so if they are able to, uh, if you're able to import files into those environments, um, if you cannot deploy them directly from your wallet because they're not integrated on the blockchain, that's also an opportunity. Um, so we give, you know, of course, uh, asset holders the opportunity to to choose to do that. Um, so yeah, an integration with the blockchain is not a deal breaker, um, but you know, I think there are a lot of benefits to to that, and let's just see if if that's a path that they're going to take. Yeah, I think uh, I was a bit more optimistic than than AG was at the start when uh, Facebook rebranded to Meta. But uh, my enthusiasm for them making a change to how they behave has been beaten into submission since then. So we will have to see how it all pans out. But um, I'm I'm glad that obviously from the crypto side we're you know making these efforts to to keep things as open as possible. I think this is probably a good time to get into a bit more on the detail um, of these NFTs, how they're interoperable what makes that happen yeah sure happy to so we're doing it by creating parent-child relationships where the parent is the owner of the child nft and so with this structure the parent nft acts as a container for the, the child nft so when the ownership of the parent nft is transferred so to all the child nfts in a single transaction so um just to give you a bit of context typically you know when a 3d creator wants to uh, mint one of their files uh, the files are typically very large heavy uh, files which aren't optimized and, and, and metaverse friendly so you can't actually use these typically um, in any of the let's say mostly low poly environments um, uh, there are strict file requirements uh, for decentraland and crypto voxels and that includes file extension types size restrictions uh, the number of surfaces a model can have on it and so what we do is we use the original file from the creator that they send us. Uh, we mint that as the parent NFT, and then we decimate and convert copies of that original file into versions that are optimized for different metaverses. And so these optimized versions of the original file and then minted into child NFTs. So when you buy a 3D asset from Metamundo, what you're actually getting is the original parent NFT plus several metaverse ready versions which are also NFTs. And the parent NFT acts as a container uh, of a bundle of NFTs. So as the collector, when you buy one of these 3D assets from us in your wallet, you'll have a version that's optimized for Decentraland, uh, one that's you know, optimized for crypto voxels. And there'll be different extensions. One might be uh, GLB, the other one might be a .vox file. And they might, you know, the, the .vox file might be, um, let's say, a smaller size versus uh, uh, you know a file that works on um, Decentraland, which might be a bit heavier and higher poly, uh, for example. Yeah. So if we think about it on the asset side, you're, as I understand it, you're taking the the highest quality asset to begin with, and then you're um, you know manually sort of changing it to be compatible with these different formats and and therefore virtual worlds, right? Exactly. Yeah. 
that's it. Okay, and yeah, AG just uh, piped up with a bit of a question there. Good, a good question. Um, can the child NFTs be sold separately? So they are fully composable. Um, so in theory, they can be. Um, we are selling them as bundles together. Um, and it's really up to the creator to define the licensing of, um, of the bundle. And we're actually going to give uh, creators uh, the flexibility to define uh, different types of licensing um, and whether actually they need to be sold uh, as a group uh, or, you know, they can be, let's say, um, uh, decomposed and kind of sold off. But we, to start with, we want to keep it simple and we want to make sure that the, the child's continue to stay with the parents just to keep it simple. And we don't have like this, um, I guess, say, let's say this, um, I don't know. Um, yeah, we get these remnants uh, or these versions kind of just floating around that uh, are just separate from the original. Um, because how we see one of the um, problems we might need to solve in the future is that when new standards, uh, new environments uh, emerge, new metaverses, and they will, they might be using different file extensions or they might be using uh, different file requirements uh, for you know, using these assets in their environments. And in order for us to enable our collectors to still be able to use their NFTs in these environments, we might want to airdrop them uh, a version that is compatible with that new environment. And in order to do that, we would obviously um, identify, you know, who is the holder of the parent and drop it to them. But then if someone is, you know, owning uh, a child version that's been separated, then it's kind of, it just opens up a can of worms, for example. We, we feel it's cleaner to, to, to keep them bundled for now. Yeah, I think that makes total sense. Um, I was just thinking that, like, from what I understand about how this works and the, the work that you guys do in the background to make these things compatible, it's a fairly manual process as it stands today. This is a bit of a long shot, but do you see a future where this could be permissionless? Because I think the idea of being able to import an asset and have it churn out like a compatible version for, um, you know, all of your partners at the time, all of the virtual worlds, whatever it might be, that would be like a, a super cool end state to get to. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Um, to be honest, we haven't mapped out how that would work technically. I think, um, I think it's a really nice vision, um, how it would work in, in practice. I think, uh, yeah. Honestly, I don't have a clear view view on that. I think it's something that would be great if there was a protocol where, you know, you could import your asset and then it automatically converts uh, everything and deploys it into these different environments in an optimized way. Today, we're using technology that is um, uh, it's pretty automated. There is some manual work involved. Um, there are also a whole bunch of open source uh, scripts, which are great, and they do a really good job, which we're also incorporating into uh, our product to make sure that, you know, um, we can automate a lot of these uh, conversion and decimation processes. But um, yeah, I think a permissionless protocol would be would be amazing. It's not something that we're exploring at this stage, um, but it's definitely something that, you know, we've discussed at very high level in passing. Yeah. Yeah. So the example of stuff getting sort of almost orphaned off and having these random floating assets kind of leads on to like future proofing and i just wonder if is there anything else that you guys have had to think about i mean you just mentioned 
briefly there, like the infrastructure that you're you're looking at to make these things work into the future. Like, um, yeah, what else are you looking at? What what else is available today that's that's going to help you sort of deliver on that vision? Yeah, it's a really good question. Um, you know, I think what's really important uh, is to look at what other standards um, in the market that you know creators and 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 these environment developers are, are you know are supporting and rallying around um, and that support you know the, you know the most amount of use cases um, and I think some of the universally you know adopted standards we're starting to see today in terms of file formats are definitely .gltf um, and then I would say and uh, in, in addition to that. VRM is also quite interesting as well. One of our advisors, Jin, um, is a big proponent of it and has kind of been contributing to that as well. And that's basically a metadata file um, for 3D avatars. So I think um, this, you know, it's really important to, to try and, and get adoption of these, uh, these standards. I think um, in terms of interoperability, you know, I think blockchain is, is, is also very important. Of course, we're starting with minting on, on Polygon. Uh, a lot of the popular metaverses uh, are built on, on Polygon. Um, minting fees are, are very low. It's, you know, it's, it's more environmentally friendly, um, uh, although that's sometimes debatable. Um, uh, but we also want to support other chains as well. So we're, we've done a lot of thinking around, uh, you know, what's the best way to do that? Uh, for Again, you know, the rareable protocol uh, looking at being uh, cross-chain um, agnostic. So they're, they're looking at, uh, I think they just launched actually support for Tezos. It's also an interesting um, uh, community that's that's happening on Tezos. I'm a big fan of Hen, by the way, an object. Um, so I like to collect uh, NFTs on those platforms. But I think for, for our platform, we would love to start, you know, going into some of these other chains and having support for Solana, for example, and, um, you know, Avalanche or, you know, we, we essentially want to enable our creators to mint on any platform um, and enable our collectors to transfer their assets to other platforms. So looking at opportunities to kind of integrate cross-chain bridges uh, where they make sense. Personally, I think bridges have a long way to go. They're very clunky and not user, very user-friendly right now. And the user experience around it is pretty terrible, but um, I think that's going to change. Uh, this year and, and hopefully next year. So we uh, will definitely be looking at how we can bring that into our product to make it, you know, very seamless and easy for our end users to, um, you know, move their assets across chains, um, as well as, of course, uh, creators to, to choose which chain they, they prefer to mint on. Um, yeah. Did that, was that, did that kind of answer your question? Yeah. Yeah. No, I think, I think that was, that was great. Um, color uh, you know i've been i've been thinking and, and this is sort of bringing us back a little bit to the parent child sort of relationship because that's uh that one is really interesting to me and so um I, i'm just thinking from the perspective of keeping them bundled right and and so if i if i go on sort of a metamundo marketplace right and, and i'll buy this this parent um asset Right, that that will have child versions for Decentraland, Sandbox, Omnium, and, and so on. What happens if I don't own land in 
all of those different virtual worlds, right? Because I'm, I'm sort of, I have to own land to be able to use um, this NFT to be able to use this, this building or uh, architectural structure. Um, how, how do you think about that, right? Because it, it, it brings a different angle to the whole unbundling um, question. Yeah, very good question. So our long-term vision for Metamundo is really to not only be limited to, uh, let's say, architectural structures and, you know, uh, houses, uh, art galleries, concert venues, buildings, etc. It's really to be the go-to marketplace for 3D assets, scenes, objects, whatever you want to call it. And so with that, if you think about what you need in your virtual world, you need avatars, you need wearables, you need vehicles, um, gadgets, whatever it may be. There are a lot of different categories. Um, and to use a lot of these things, you don't necessarily have to have land. Um, uh, so, you know, if you want to kind of walk around in, in Decentraland, you, you actually only need an avatar, right? Um, uh, so I think these are other categories that, we're, we're starting to explore and um, look into. And so we will by no means be limited to architecture. Um, the second point around, uh, you know, being able to use structures um, in the absence of land, you know, there, I think there's something to be said around owning uh, an amazing digital object from, uh, you know, a creator that you love. And I think that's, clearly been validated by, you know, the, the you know, the popularity of, of, of uh, categories in terms of art and uh, collectibles that we're seeing, um, which kind of account for most of uh, NFT trading today. So I think, you know, there's, there's a lot of value um, in the collectible uh, element as well. Of course, utility is, is, you know, what we're primarily focused on. But I think there's something to be said of owning a piece from Zaha Hadid, for example, you know, or, you know, uh, a one of 10 of the Burj Khalifa, um, of course, you want to put it on your land. But, you know, to say that you you own a piece of that, I think is also, there's a lot of cultural capital embedded in that too, right? Yeah, for sure. I think um, <clears throat> the biggest challenge of owning the Burj Khalifa would be like, where do you fit it? <laughs> I'm not sure if Decentraland is big enough at the moment. I, I realize that some of these questions are like easy for me to say, because I'm sure there's a hell of a lot of like, tech and understanding that goes on behind it but talking about you know how it's it's more than just architecture you know you can have wearables you can have um, cars or you know any kind of 3d asset really i just wanted to sort of pick your brains on do you see a future where these things can like be bolted together and can that be represented on the blockchain um, just as easily as you've you've got this like master uh, master model and then all of the derivatives underneath, would you be able to like, um, you know, change your structure in the future or maybe bolt something to it? Or like if you hang a painting inside um, or a piece of like art, basically, can you, can that change be represented elsewhere? And, and is it actually possible to do both those things, both in the like modeling side or on the modeling side of things and on the NFT side of things? Very good question. To be honest, I don't know, but you know, I can imagine. Uh, for example, once we have uh, SDK and API integrations with some of these metaverse platforms, then we'll be able to push through, you know, content updates. Um, you know, where there are use cases to do so, 
for example, like you said, whether it's, you know, um, extending your property with a pool, for example, or, uh, you know, whatever it may be. Um, but um, it, it, you know, it requires the respective platform to enable us to do this first and foremost. But if you, if you can imagine that you have limitations in certain contexts that, you know, are related to the size of your plot that you have, what are the adjacent objects and models that are in that scene and environment um, that need to be taken into consideration? Um, so, yeah, there. Are, I think there are a lot of factors to be considered. Um, I think it's something that we definitely would like to explore further down the track, um, how we could, uh, you know, have more dynamic content that could be pushed out or updated um, in the future. Definitely, but it's not something I think technically that we've we've scoped out or or done any kind of like uh, deep dive on. Yeah, it's 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 an interesting uh, thought exercise though. I mean, yeah, I think the nice the nice um, attribute of of this nine nine eight standard, um, uh, and it's still a it's still a proposal by the way. It's not super widely adopted. Um, uh, is that it's you know completely composable and uh, you can use ERC twenty, you can use one one five five seven two one contracts. So there you know there are a lot of permeations and um, uh, configurations that you can potentially play with in relationships between these tokens. Um, so I think that's that's definitely something that we want to continue to explore because yeah we see a lot of opportunity and and um, possibility and freedom to you know to to provide. The, the collectors with more versatility for the assets and how they can use them and the relationships they can have with one another as well. Um, Finn, why don't we talk a little bit about like uh, the roadmap and what you guys are looking to sort of deliver over the next uh, three, six months. There's obviously the drop, the, the marketplace. Um, yeah, can, can, you, can you tell us when some of these things might be coming out? Absolutely. Yeah, sure thing. So um, I think the first key milestone that we're really focused on right now is, is our uh, Genesis drop to reward our community. Um, and that's going to come on February 15th. Uh, more details, uh, catch more details uh, in, in our Discord, of course. Um, the other key milestone, of course, is the launching of the platform. Um, a lot of the front end actually most of the front end is actually done which is which is great we're finalizing some of the back end at the moment um actually the contracts are pretty much finalized so we're, we're about to get our audit and um uh we're aiming for a go live with a marketplace uh of uh in march um no specific date set that i can announce yet but uh keep your keep your ears peeled and then um Following that, uh, we have a, a series of really exciting um, immersive features um, and tools for creators that that we're going to uh, that we're going to roll out um, leading into into Q2. But those are, I think, those are the three key um, milestones uh, for us right now. And I think you know, once we go live, we're obviously going to learn um, a lot. So that will also dictate you know um, how our roadmap evolves uh, moving into to H2 or Q3 and Q4. So I think in terms of Metamundo, what you guys are doing, the marketplace, like we've dived into the detail and it's been a great overview. I think we're getting pretty close to wrapping up, but it wouldn't be a Metaportal podcast if we didn't ask some like really philosophical um, sort of high level questions. So something I've been thinking about recently is 
like or, or we've been talking about certainly recently is like forming uh, a metaverse alliance an open metaverse alliance um, a group of people that or a group of projects that um, sort of take the fight to like the metas and the microsofts of this world but recently i've started to think maybe we don't actually need to do that because at the end of the day like the game theory of crypto the genie is already out of the bag and actually if if these like um larger tech corps don't if they don't optimize for the game theory of it and they don't treat their customers in the right way then maybe they'll just like lose custom and, and market share uh, naturally so the question i'm kind of getting to is how do you see it and how do you guys see it like do we need to sort of you know knuckle up and, and take the fight to these guys or do we just keep doing what we're doing and show them that there's a better way and and like let nature take its course basically yeah absolutely i think it's something that uh yeah we've also uh thought a lot about as well and you know i i think it's more the latter i think that um uh you know these companies are gonna need to innovate it's, you know they're not going to be able to just take the same old approach of you know hoarding and harvesting your data and, and, you know, not letting you own it and, you know, benefit from it and, and control it and, you know, all the content that you push out and it just, it's not sustainable. I think in five, 10 years time, we're just going to see a completely different um, landscape in terms of uh, the creator economy, how creators and, you know, are compensated and um, incentivized and all these sorts of things. So, you know, Meta being a company that basically, uh, generates all of their value from the the content that their creators and users um share and create they, they can't ignore this and and of course you know they are announcing that you know they're doing a whole bunch of stuff let's see what they actually come with and, and you know how open it is but i think it's you know i think that the snowball is rolling and it's um you know people are, people are getting more savvy they're understanding nfts um yeah sure a lot of people might dismiss it on on first kind of interpretation of you know right click download but i think people are increasingly starting to see the value and as that takes place the users of these platforms will demand more of these platforms and you know if they don't innovate and change their ways then they're going to lose customers and they're going to lose users and then you know they'll slowly die away so you know for me, it, it, it boils down to innovate or die, essentially. You know, I think these companies have to. Um, again, you see like these announcements, oh, Facebook, you know, making huge investments in, uh, in the metaverse. And yeah, we're, you know, we want to work with uh, Web3, um, you know, initiatives and support NFTs and all this kind of stuff. Like there's good rhetoric coming out of these companies, but like, we're not yet seeing any, you know, action or how this is going to manifest. So I'm really curious to see what happens on that side. I don't think we need to take it to look at this as like it's us against them um, because that's also against our our ethos, right? Like our ethos is predicated on, you know, being open, inclusive, working together um, uh, and, you know, making sure that, you know, everyone is is working towards something that is open and, and and usable that enables more utility and value across the whole value chain um and you know to kind of exclude parties from that is kind of against that i think so yeah 
I think it's inevitable that change is happening. And I think we're definitely leading the way in many respects and that I'm pretty optimistic. I, I still think that, you know, Facebook and uh, Instagram and, and, you know, all of these other kind of uh, companies, Microsoft, whatever, whoever it may be, I think they're going to, they're going to see, we're going to see more and more um, collaborations and uh, I would say experiments where they're reaching out and I mean, maybe not more and more, but we haven't seen any, but I think they're going to start, you know, reaching out to us and kind of getting a better understanding of how, what we're seeing work because we're on the frontier, right? They're not. And um, they have a certain approach to, to making products and, you know, they're experts and they make really engaging products, you know, they're, they're experts in social and social is a huge element to, to, to Web3 and making Web3 work. And they already have these massive audiences which have distribution. So for us just to ignore that and not kind of seek opportunities to, um, you know, realize the full potential of the metaverse by tapping into these, um, you know, these, these great qualities that they do have uh, would be foolish, I think. So I, I'm, I'm, I'm curious to see how things can, can will play out. I don't think it should be us against them. And I think they're going to be forced to, you know, adopt this technology and, and, you know, maybe they, maybe they go on an acquisition spree, who knows, maybe they, um, you know, create an alliance or, or join an alliance that, you know, we, we create, but I don't think the alliance should be focused on excluding anyone. It should be more around thought leadership and, you know, adoption of standards and, and these sorts of things. I couldn't agree more, really. I think everything you've said um, makes total sense. And we really need to see them walk the walk now. They've, they've talked the talk, like you say, and, uh, yeah, we need to see if they sort of follow through with their actions. But either way, it's, it's great to have, you know, guys like yourselves and Metamundo as a team, like pushing these things forward in, in the open direction and interoperable direction, like lead by example, basically. So it's, um, it's really good to see. So appreciate you coming on today, Finn. I know that you mentioned the socials at the start, but if you want to um, let our listeners know how to get involved and, and follow what Metamundo is up to, that'd be great. Absolutely. So check out our website, metamundo.co, or you can check us out on Discord. Come and have a chat. We'd love to speak with you. It's uh, discord.gg backslash metamundo. Thanks for having us, guys. Thanks for coming on.